0: The scripture reading today is from the fourth chapter of John, verses 1 through 30. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for the disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he speaks, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, why do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Sometimes when you jump into a Bible story... You tend to read that story and miss the previous stories. And a lot of times there's a context. It's kind of important for this story to understand that in chapter 3, there was this man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man, uh, a Jew. He was actually a Jewish leader, he was a good Jew. And he seeks Jesus out in the middle of the night. You need to know that because you'll see the woman, the Samaritan woman actually is very much opposite of Nicodemus. So the text says that Jesus has to travel through Samaria. This is a really interesting phrase because nobody had to travel through Samaria. In fact, Jews did not travel through Samaria. What they would do is they would travel all the way to the coast or all the way to the other side of the Jordan River to avoid going through Samaria. See, we've talked a lot about the exile. Very important to understand how the Jewish people were taken off into various places in the Babylonian and Assyrian Empire. That's part of how you would conquer someone. You would just take them and you would move them throughout so they weren't together anymore. And eventually they would lose their identity. But the other way that you could take people and make them submit to your empire is to force them to marry with people of your uh, empire. Okay, Or to take somebody in exile and put them in that place. And both the Babylonians and Assyrians did both of those things. So a lot of Jews were forced to go into exile. But some Jews were forced to stay and intermarry with uh, Babylonians and Assyrians and people who were sent there. Those people were left in the land and they stayed in the land even when Israel came back. And they were called the Samaritans. The Samaritans, the Jewish people liked to be on their own. They didn't always like Gentiles, people who were not Jewish, but they really didn't like uh, the Samaritans. It's like the people that are closest to you but you disagree with, the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? These were people who were half Jewish and were trying to follow the Jewish laws, but the other half of them were, uh, the other half of their blood were these conquerors, the people that you hated, the people that had killed your relatives. And so Samaritans were not looked at well. So when Jesus tells a parable about a good Samaritan, no Jew would have believed that story because there's never been a good Samaritan. And yet Jesus says he has to go, the text says he has to pass through Samaria. Well, why? Is it in a hurry to get up there? No, as we'll see at the end, he actually spends an extra two days there. He's there because he has a divine appointment. But Jesus is tired. We see here, and in John we see a lot, that Jesus is fully human. He gets exhausted, he gets weak, and so he's tired. It's the sixth hour in those days. You've measured that from, from sunrise. So this is about noon. This is about the hottest time of the day. And Jesus stops to sit at a well while his disciples go and get food. Now this is the Samaritan well. Ethan, do we have a slide for this? Next one. This is actually Jacob's well, or what we have as Jacob's well today. We, where they think this is what it was. Uh, and so it was, was kind of small, um, and uh, there's a church built over it now. Jacob's well is not in the Old Testament. It's not an Old Testament story at all, but it is held by both the Jews and the Samaritans to be a place where Jacob fed his sheep. And so this morning, I want to invite you to Jacob's well. Is that about middle for all you OCD people? Okay. And so I have tried to approximate Jacob's well here. If anything, looking at the pictures again, I made it too big. It's actually a little bit smaller than this. Just a little place. Uh, Maybe at the time it was... Uh, made out of stone. This one seems to be made out of sort of a sort of a clay that's been molded together. But but this is a simple well. Wells are really important in those days because they don't have running water, right? So if you want to have water, you got to go get the water. And so it was a daily practice. Every day you'd have to go get your water from somewhere. Normally you would bring a bucket. We know from the story Jesus doesn't have a bucket. So there's no bucket automatically there. You'd bring your bucket, tie it off to probably a rope that was there, put it down into the well, and then bring it back up, and you'd have to carry the bucket back. This is part of what the women would do every day. Every day in the morning, you would go. And you would go in the morning because it's hot. This is Israel. So early in the morning, you would go, and you would go in groups because it wasn't always safe to travel in those days. And you would as a group go and they probably didn't have like any kind of pulley system. Okay, It's probably just a rope hanging over something and you put your bucket down and then you work together to kind of pull the water up. This was a basic well and happened all over the place. But Jesus comes to this well in the middle of the day and he sits down to rest. And he's just waiting there in the middle of the day while the disciples go to get him some food and drink because he's got no bucket. He cannot get a drink for himself out of the well. And along comes a Samaritan woman. Now, not only is she a woman, which means in those days Jesus probably shouldn't talk to her. She's a Samaritan woman. So Jesus definitely shouldn't have talked to her. And most importantly, she is coming to the well alone in the middle of the day. Anybody who originally heard this story that had been to wells before would know there's no reason for this woman to come to the well in the middle of the day. It's hot. It was dangerous. Why does she come in the middle of the day? Well, obviously, there's something going on with this woman where she is not welcome with the rest of the women. She's not able to go to them with them. And a lot of us have read this story and heard commentators, and, and I think even Adam Hamilton talks about this woman, as sort of a loose woman, that she's cheated on a lot of husbands, that uh, maybe she's sort of a woman of the night. Um, but actually, if you read the text carefully, it does not say that. What it says was that she's had multiple husbands, five husbands, and now she's living with somebody who is not her husband. But in those days, women married men that were a lot of order. So it was not uncommon for women to lose husbands. Okay, I knew a woman who had lost three husbands in her lifetime. Uh, And so the idea of a woman in those days having five husbands die is quite possible. And uh, if you were husband number six, wouldn't you be a little concerned? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, Like, how terrible is your cooking? Or are you poisoning? Or are you... Are you cursed? Maybe she's looked at as a cursed woman. Here's the other thing. If she's divorced, men could ask for divorce, but women could not. Okay, women could not have divorce. Men could. So men and women could not testify in court. So if a man said that I want to divorce her because she's been cheating on me, then guess what? She's divorced and she's let alone. So maybe she is a loose woman or something like that. She is living with a man right now that is not her husband. But I think we should be a little, a little slow to judge this woman because it's not actually in the text. I mean, maybe this is a woman who's been through a lot. Maybe she's lost a number of husbands. Maybe she's been divorced and been handled, handed around by men. And now she's forced for survival to live with a guy who's not her husband. Whatever the case, she's not an innocent woman, but, but we have to understand, this woman is a survivor, right? She's been through a lot. She's tough. She's the kind of woman that's still tough enough to get up in the middle of the day to go get water by herself, just despite everybody who won't let her come with them, right? And then she's got to lower this bucket, right? She's got to tie in the bucket. She's got to lower. She's got to haul it up with nobody to help her. This is a pretty strong woman, And so whatever the case, whatever this woman has been through, Jesus should not have been talking to her. Okay, very clear. Jesus should not have given this woman any time. But he's sitting there, almost as if he's waiting for her. Almost as if it's a divine appointment. And she comes up and they have a conversation. And his first conversation is about living water. Now there were two kinds of water. There was living water and there was dead water. Okay, there are plenty of people in the world today that have access to water, but it's not living water. It's not drinkable water. Living water is water that's moving or pooling in some way that it refreshes so you can actually use it. Dead water is water that's pooled and just sits there. So it gets gross. So you can't use it. Okay, so when they say living water, that's a real thing. You go to the well because somehow when it does rain and when the dew comes in the mountains, it comes to this spot. And so he offers her living water, water where you don't need water anymore. And of course, she's pumped about this. Give me that water. You mean I don't have to come at noon every day? You mean I don't have to be reminded every day of the rejection I feel in the eyes, the the judging eyes that I feel in my community for whatever has happened in the past? Give me that kind of water. And then Jesus says to her, go call your husband. And she says, I I don't have a husband. And Jesus knows her whole story. Okay, If you think there's parts of your story that Jesus doesn't know, he knows it all. Okay, And Jesus says, hey, you're right. You you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. The man you're living with is not your husband. And then she asks a question. She says, well, uh, she asks this very theological question, actually. See, the Samaritans are trying to worship God in their own way. The Jews think you have to do that on Mount Zion, which is where Jerusalem and the temple are. But, of course, the Samaritans aren't allowed there. So she asks this deep theological question uh, of which mountain is going to be right. Are the Samaritans right or the Jews are right? Now, it's a little bit a little bit uncertain in the text whether she is distracting, whether it's a let's talk about something theological and a little less me here. Okay, Um, that's a that's a common Christian strategy, right? I have stuff going on in my life, and so I want to talk about something theological so I don't have to talk about what I'm actually going through. Okay, But I also wonder if it's just a logical question for her. Here she is. Not only has she gone through whatever she's gone through, whether she was uh, loose and unfaithful, whether it was, uh, she lost a bunch of husbands and she feels like she's cursed, or whether she's been rejected by all these husbands. I don't, I don't know what the story is. But whatever it is, she's also a Samaritan. Which means not only does she feel rejected by her own community, but she's part of a community that feels rejected by God. Okay? Are they able to actually come close to God or not? See, this is where she is the exact opposite of Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus is a man. He's got a name. He's a Jew. He's a good Jew. And he goes and finds Jesus in the middle of the night. But she is a woman, a Samaritan woman an outcast Samaritan woman with no name who Jesus bumps into in the middle of the day. Totally opposite story. Except that Nicodemus does not accept Jesus' message. And the Samaritan woman starts to get it. Because what Jesus says, it's not about mountains. It's not about whether you're Jewish. It's not about whether you're Samaritan. What it's actually about is your heart. Will you worship in spirit and in truth? And she's so excited, she runs to tell all of the people in the town, come see this guy who told me I've ever done well, everything I've ever done. Now he hadn't told her everything he, she'd ever done. But she was able, he was able to summarize her as Jesus can and does so many times in the Gospels and does in our lives. He knows who we really are. And she goes to her town, which is amazing because remember, this is the same town where she's not walking with them in the morning to get to the well, right? These are all the people that have rejected her. And she goes back and say, you got to meet this guy. And there's a great line in there, too, right? Because what does it say? She left her bucket. Little detail. Why? Why does the gospel record this? She left her bucket. Well, she found living water and she doesn't need water. OK, it's a metaphor. She doesn't need the water she was coming for because she found this living water that means everything to her and answers all of her statements. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. Jesus says, I am he. Anytime Jesus says, I am something. okay, pay attention, because that's how God is referred to in the Old Testament as I am. So when Jesus says, I am he, uh, what he could be saying is just I am. And she would have instantly seen this as the Messiah. She runs home. People start coming to the well, and they stay an extra two days. Two days. Jesus was in such a hurry to get, we have to go through Samaria. Not because he's in a hurry, but because he had this appointment with this woman. And the whole town starts to hear and believe. And it's the start of something wonderful in the Samaritan community. So she is the first missionary. This whole town who has rejected her suddenly hears about her. And the disciples are a little freaked out by this, by the way, okay? The disciples know, and, they, and they, 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 John even records some questions that probably he had in his head at that moment. Like, why is Jesus talking to this woman? They're suspicious of this woman. They know she shouldn't be there in the middle of the day. They know he shouldn't be talking to a woman, shouldn't be talking to a Samaritan woman. And this woman by herself at the well, well, at yourself by the well is sometimes where bad stuff happens. So the disciples are even judging Jesus, not sure about this crazy Jesus. And he gets, he gets, by the way, questioned about that a lot in his ministry, doesn't he? This one he does by the disciples But the Pharisees and the scribes are all the time saying, look at who he's eating with. He's eating with sinners and he's eating with tax collectors. Even the disciples at this point are upset about some of the people that Jesus actually goes to. But you see, that's the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is for the least, the lost, the broken. Jesus is for the outcast, the unloved, the untouchables. In fact, it's the religious people who have the most trouble with Jesus. Because we've got to understand that the way of Jesus is a way of offering living water to those that are most thirsty. And one of the things about us when we're in religion, about quote unquote good people, is that we don't quite always understand the need that we have for Jesus. But Jesus comes to the well and meets this woman in a divine appointment to tell her and her whole community about God's love. So here's the question for you. Where are the wells in your life? Okay, where are those places where you're meeting people that may need the love of Jesus? Where are those places where you have divine appointments and you should not be missing them? Who are the outcasts, the broken ones around you that God is sending you to love? And are you able to see them And talk to them, even despite everybody else's opinion. And even when everybody thinks you shouldn't be loving that person. And maybe where are you, the Samaritan woman? Where are you, the person who's been broken, who's been lost, who's been wounded, who has not lived the way they should live? And yet Christ meets you when you're trying to hide from him and trying to hide from everybody else. And names that exact spot in your life. And says, I love you even there. I got living water for you even there. May we be people of the well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.